Section 22 of Why Do We Need a Public Library? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Why Do We Need a Public Library? By Various Authors. Section 22. The Function of a Town Library by Josiah P. Quincy Introductory Note by Arthur Bostwich While asserting his belief in making a library popular, the writer denies that his belief justifies the inclusion of fiction. His position seems to be that, praiseworthy as much of it is, fiction should not be supplied to the public from the public funds. The present attitude, that this is a matter to be settled by the public itself, is repudiated in set terms and with somewhat picturesque illustrations by Mr. Quincy. His stalwart advocacy of the library as a supplement to the school is what justifies the inclusion of his paper in this collection. Josiah Phillips Quincy was born in Boston, November 28, 1829, and graduated at Harvard in 1850, the son of the statesman Josiah Quincy, who was also president of Harvard. He was admitted to the bar in 1854, but afterward engaged in business and in farming, also writing freely on civic and economic subjects. And now, The Function of a Town Library by Josiah P. Quincy this is a one-sided paper. Something might be said on the other side, but as this is the popular side, it is likely to receive full justice. In behalf of an unconverted minority, who should be represented through the press, if nowhere else, I desire to register a dissent from the prevailing opinion concerning the function of libraries sustained by the taxation of towns and small municipalities. The importance of stimulating thought upon subjects bearing ever so remotely upon our fiscal requirements I conceive to be far greater than may superficially appear. For when the mass of our people clearly comprehend what government should not be called upon to do for them, they will insist upon its performing duties which are manifestly within its sphere of action. Laboring men and women are today suffering from the adulteration of their food and drink and from a system of taxation which oppresses them with weighty and unjust burdens. Their deliverance can only come by dismissing legislators who are disciples of what may be called the Todgers School of Economy, that remarkable matron, as Dickens tells us, caring little for the solid sustenance of her boarders, provided the gravy was abundant and satisfactory. Upon what principle can the citizen, who thinks before he casts his ballot, justify himself in voting increased taxes upon his neighbors for the purpose of establishing a library? He must assume the necessity of public schools, and then argue that he may vote for a library that will supplement the elementary instruction which the town provides. And the justification is ample. If our schools are so conducted as to waken a taste for knowledge and give a correct method in English reading, the town library may represent the university brought to every man's door. But suppose a large portion of the funds taken from taxpayers is devoted to circulating ephemeral works of mere amusement. 
is it not as monstrous for me to vote to tax my neighbor to furnish the boys and girls with a terrible tribulation or lady so-and-so's struggle as it would be for the purpose of providing them with free tickets to witness article forty seven or the black crook these romances and dramas to represent them in the most favorable point of view are evanescent productions designed to meet the market demand for the intense and spasmodic their claims to patronage from the public purse are precisely similar so far the citizen has a right to object as a taxpayer but if he were truly solicitous for the welfare of the community about him the protest might be far deeper for the weak spot in our school system lies just here while claiming immense credit for giving most of our children the ability to read we show the profoundest indifference about what they read but this accomplishment of reading is a very doubtful good if it goes no farther than to give a boy the satisfaction of perusing the police gazette or introduces a girl to the immoralities of mr griffith gaunt and the adventures of a hundred other heroes of characters even more questionable by teaching our children to read and then setting them adrift in a sea of feverish literature which vitiates the taste and enervates the character we show an indifference about as sensible as that of the old lady who thought it could not matter whether her son had gone to the bosom of abraham or beelzebub seeing they were both scripture names it is not difficult to conceive of communities existing in greenland or elsewhere which might legitimately tax the citizen to furnish his neighbors with their novel reading but it can scarcely be disputed that an increased facility for obtaining works of fiction is not the pressing need of our country in this present year of grace dr isaac ray perhaps our highest authority on morbid mental phenomena concludes his study on the effects of the prevalent romantic literature in these words quote, the specific doctrine i would inculcate is that the excessive indulgence in novel reading which is a characteristic of our times is chargeable with many of the mental irregularities that prevail among us in a degree unknown at any former period End quote. The late Dr. Forbes Winslow, a physician of similar note in England, used still stronger language in describing how fearfully and fatally suggestive to the minds of the young are those artistically developed records of sin which form the staple of the popular novel. In these days of disordered nerve centers and commissions to inquire into everything, we neglect much valuable information which lies upon the surface it is well to bear in mind that our eminent bibliographer mr spofford has informed us that quote, masses of novels and other ephemeral publications overload most of our public libraries end quote, and that our wisest physicians have agreed as to the influence they exert of course these views will be met by a brusque statement that town libraries must supply such books as people want and that they demand the current novels in unlimited quantities but i repudiate the dismal fallacy upon which such an argument is based plum cake and champagne would doubtless be demanded at the sunday school picnic were these delicacies placed upon the table but if the committee did not think it necessary to supply them from the parish funds is it certain that a fair amount of cold beef and hasty pudding would not be consumed in their stead 
and if a heartless man-government declined to furnish maggie and molly with the pirate's penance or the bridge's bigamy for their sabbath reading is it not possible that those fair voters of the future might substitute mrs fawcett's interesting illustrations of political economy or some outline of human physiology their knowledge of which would bless an unborn generation i do not advocate the absurdity of a town library which should chiefly consist of authors like plato and professor pierce no one can doubt that the great majority of its volumes should be emphatically popular in their character they should furnish intelligible and interesting reading to the average graduate of the town schools and there is no lack of such works the outlines of physical and social science have been written by men of genius in simple and attractive style history and biography in the hands of their masters gives a healthy stimulus to the imagination and tend to strengthen the character the function of a town library should be to supply reading improving and interesting and yet in the best sense of the word popular and i maintain that this can be done without setting up a rival agency to the newsstand the book club and the weekly paper for the circulation of the novels of the day there is a saying of dr johnson to the effect that if a boy be let loose in the library he is likely to give himself a very fair education but in accepting this dictum we must remember the sort of library the doctor had in his mind as known to him it was based upon solid volumes of systematized information besides these were the noblest poems of the world a very few great romances and ponderous tomes of controversial theology good healthy food and much of it attractive to an unpampered boy appetite but the range of a large library is by no means necessary to produce the soundest educational results can it be doubted that familiar knowledge of a small case of well-selected books such for instance as the modest stipend of a country clergyman easily collects is better for boy and girl than the liberty of devouring a thousand highly flavored sweets in the free library at all events a few old-fashioned people do not question it a year ago writes one of them alice used to read irving and spencer and tom was dipping into gibbon and shakespeare liking them well enough yet preferring a game of baseball to either as it was proper he should but the town library was opened and these young people are found crouching over novels in out-of-the-way corners when they ought to be at play or reading surreptitiously at night when they ought to be asleep it is in vain to throw all the responsibilities upon parents american parents are very busy and somewhat careless miss fanny firefly's highly seasoned love stories for girls and mr samuel's sensations boy novels and spiced preparations of boned history are got up like the port wine drops of the confectioners to tempt and to sell and they do their work no one can examine the average boy and girl of the period without being struck with their ignorance of the great works of english literature which young people of a former generation were accustomed to read with profit and delight the function of a town library is to supplement the town schools to gratify the taste for knowledge which they should have imparted and to serve as an instrument for that self-education to which there is no limit 
but taxpayers are not bound to circulate twenty-seven thousand novels against nineteen hundred volumes of biography and seventeen hundred of history according to the figures of one report or to expend two-thirds of the workforce of their establishment in sending out novels and juveniles according to the statement of another in a word information not excitement should be imbibed from the atmosphere of the town library that prevailing infirmity of our time which seems to substitute sensibility for morality should there find small encouragement but we shall never know what this institution might do for a community so long as the temptation of free novels is thrust in the faces of all who enter for it is not to be expected that our youth fresh from school moving among the countless agitations of american life will select reading that may require some mental exertion so long as mental excitement is offered to them in unlimited amounts i am well aware how much may be said for the story-tellers and how many people there are to say it and whenever there is danger of their being unduly neglected my voice shall be loudly raised in their behalf but one may allow the claim of the romances from scheherazade to mrs southworth and yet maintain that the theory upon which the average town library is run is faulty there is no virtue in despising cakes and ale and the heat of ginger in the mouth may at times impart a wholesome glow to the entire system but it does not quite follow that it is the function of american towns to supply these stimulants gratis at the expense of their taxpayers while we consider the immense amount of reading of a certain sort that a town library supplies it is well to remember that there are other sorts of reading it may possibly prevent for it may encourage reading precisely as prodigality encourages industry luxury and profusion do indeed feed industry and demoralize it but the industry which serves god by blessing man they prevent from being fed i fear that in these days more noble capacities die of a surfeit from too much poor reading than starve from want of good books the valid defense of institutions working in the interest of state education is this they prevent a waste of power when any one of them can be shown to encourage waste of power it needs looking after in our complex social condition the real consequences of any government interference extend far beyond its apparent consequences an institution may be very useful up to a certain point and yet hurtful if allowed to run its full course without restraining criticism the managers of our smaller libraries are apt to be picked men who give unrequited labor and intelligence to their trust but they are chosen at town meetings and to a certain extent must carry out the wishes of their electors upon this matter as upon most others it is the duty of the thoughtful men and women to create a wholesome public opinion they must recognize the fact that the change from a few good books to an unlimited supply of all sorts of books is by no means an unmixed advantage to the community while the results of town libraries taken in the aggregate are undoubtedly good it is our duty to consider whether they ought not to be better end of section twenty two the function of a town library